Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. A warmer from Evo. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for discussions with myself, Greg Hicks Peterson. Now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Blake Lovell, who does great work over at Southeastern 14. We're going to be taking a look at some of the after effects of what we all saw from the NBA draft decisions. What teams were winners? What teams were losers? Was there anything that was truly shocking that happened over the last few days as well? And just sort of the makeup of some of these rosters and now some of the ripple effects that we're seeing as well because some of the teams that were losers from what we saw on Wednesday, they already acted like, for example, Baylor. They lose Adam Flagler. They bring in Ray J. Dennis. We're going to be talking about that and so much more. And there's a certain team out there in the state of Tennessee that's had a very nice last 48 hours. Blake is out there in Nashville. So we're going to be talking about the Vanderbilt Commodores and how they're looking here in the offseason as well. And then in the final segment, Going to get you guys a roundup of all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. There were a few very late NBA draft decisions that I was not able to cover on the podcast yesterday, so I'm going to do a little bit of cleanup there, and now we are starting to get that second wave in the transfer portal. We've already seen a couple big moves, so we're going to be breaking those down as well. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have heard those in. First one is by Twitter timeline at jnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not really get in any Twitter questions today other than just some of the thoughts on the late moves that we saw, which I'm going to be polishing up in the final segment. But now is sort of that time that it's get down to business and do the research for the upcoming season because we were sort of when we didn't know these NBA draft decisions in hunting and gathering mode, as I always like to call it. Like if you're doing a college research paper, that's sort of the looking for sources, opening books if you're like in middle school slash high school trying to find those good juicy quotes that you're going to put in your research paper. Now we've got all that done. Now we know a little bit more about these rosters. They're going to crystallize within the next few weeks, but now we sort of know what we've got, and now it's all about trying to figure out which of these pieces are going to meld well together, which of these pieces are not going to do so. Now, we only see a little bit of player news late in the offseason, like Keontae Johnson, who was one of the more impactful players in all of college basketball over at Kansas State. That was a move that happened very, very late in the summertime. So this may be not completely done yet, and there are still some guys that are graduate transfers that can enter into the transfer portal. So we certainly are not done there, and we, are, I think, are going to see a little bit of a second wave with regards to the transfer portal. There are guys like Grant Nelson out there that are going to be of big significance depending upon what school adds them. So 
there is that aspect of it, but it's sort of a case where if you're liking a team for the futures market, I would say just take a little bit of time, take a breath, because the number that you're seeing right now, you're probably still going to be able to get that number a few months from now, even if your favorite team adds in there, Grant Nelson, something like that. It's not going to cause any sort of a quantum move. So now is the time where you want to be getting down to business, recognize that, hey, if there's a team that you're really eyeing in terms of a futures bet, this is not a case where it's like betting game to game where you need to try to get to the best of the number. You need to try to get it right now. You need to be betting down the hatches, anything like that. You take a little bit of a breath. You can do that double check of the roster before you fire in. Now we're at that stage, and now we're at the stage where we're going to be able to do more conference previews. I've already done one, by the way, for the Atlantic Sun. I plan on doing another one during the weekend. Going to be going with the low slash mid-majors on the podcast to start out with. And then once we get towards back half of the offseason, we're going to be diving into the power conferences. And then we're going to be hopefully having a powerful and profitable college basketball season. So that's what's all on tap for me and what's all on tap for us. Coming up next is a great chat with Blake Lovell over at Southeastern 14. Taking a look at the aftermath of these NBA draft decisions next right here. Up goes Gunsuits with myself, Craig Eden Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. 
smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. It is great to be joined by this man as we've got Blake Lovell aboard. He does absolutely amazing work over at Southeastern 14, taking a look at the great game of college basketball. On top of that, I know that he's doing an amazing job, except for the upcoming season. I know that we're always able to find his previews when it comes to Blue Ribbon Eurobook. He always takes a few big majors. He always takes some of these SEC schools as well, and to be able to follow Blake on Twitter as at the Blake Lovell. Last name is spelled L-O-V-E-L-L. And Blake, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, I've always enjoyed, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me, Blake. And we saw the NBA draft decisions become finalized a little bit over 24 hours ago. And no doubt about it, there were some SEC teams that were clear winners and losers. But before we dive into them, was there anything truly shocking that stood out to you? Because for me, I think the biggest takeaway is there wasn't anything that I thought wow, I did not see that coming or anything like that. And I thought that it was relatively what we were expecting. It was just a case of teams that were hoping to not receive the bad news did and the teams that you thought were going to get the good news they did as well. Yeah, I think that's usually what it comes down to, right? That's pretty much what we, we get to at this point. Like, I think it's, you'll start to hear some things and that momentum starts to swing in one direction or the other. And and look, Greg, I mean, we talked about it before. We said, I mean, the difference now and what it used to be is that guys can literally take it down to the last second, right? Because they can play two different sides. It's not just a matter of, do I go pro, whether that's getting drafted in the NBA or if I go play professionally elsewhere and make money, or do I come back to college and not make money? Well, now it's completely different to where I can try to you know, get money from both sides, basically. I can see where I'd be NBA-wise, or again, if I wanted to pursue some other professional opportunity, Or I can see how much money I would get to come back and play in college via NIL. So 
I think it just makes it harder, I think, initially to try to figure out what these guys are going to do. And I think it makes it harder once you really get down to like the finish line to know, okay, well, maybe there are certain guys who are getting these last minute deals and and all this to, to go one way, you know, or the other. And that is mostly if they come back to college. But I think you really start to understand kind of what the the NBA draft is going to look like. And that makes it pretty clear for guys, you know, whether they are even in that conversation. But again, going through the process when that rule was changed, always thought it was great. And now with NIL added to the mix, it's a no-brainer to go through the process and kind of see where things stand. Absolutely. And a man that went through the process a few times is Oscar Shibway. And I feel like the big loser from everything that we saw the last few days was Kentucky. They do get Antonio Reeves back to the fold, but I felt like the biggest piece that was sort of on the borderline was Oscar Shibway because with NIL, he could have returned to Kentucky. He could have made some good money and said he is going to be going pro. Just how devastating is this for a Kentucky team that it felt like they were really banking on Oscar Shibway coming back because they still have not added anyone in the transfer portal. And other than Antonio Reeves, you really don't have anyone on the roster that has given the team any sort of production in a real game ever. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to make it interesting about Antonio Reeves, right? Because, I mean, I, I don't know that it's 100% locked that he's coming back to Kentucky. And so it's one of those where if he doesn't come back, then that only sort of, you know, escalates, I think, where things stand for them. Yes, they obviously have the number one recruiting class in the country coming in next season. They pretty much got a guy almost at every position. They feel like, you know, they can play and feel really good about what they could do there, just given, you know, whatever, they've got, what, five, I think, four top 20 recruits, top 15 recruits. So they feel really good about those guys coming in and helping, but we've always talked about it, right? These days, I mean, it's having that experience. And if you were to lose an Antonio Reeves via the transfer portal, you've already lost Oscar Shibwe, who had a multiple player of the year type candidate, you know, in terms of what he can do. And, you know, to go along with that, you lose a case in Wallace, who, as we talked about last season, felt like he was kind of the driver of what they could do. Chris Livingston really came along, but again, no brainers really, I think, for them to ultimately make that decision. So Sheway was the big one. And as we said, Greg, a minute ago, I mean, the momentum really started to swing, I think, feeling like he was not going to be back in Kentucky, although initially you could look at it. We were talking about Hunter Dickinson and all that potentially transferring there. He winds up at Kansas. You're thinking, okay, well, maybe that opens up that possibility, but it's just not happening. You know, and Aaron Bradshaw comes in as a seven foot freshman that, you know, will have a lot on him right away and he's skilled enough to handle it. But like you said, there's no transfers coming in just yet. And so it's going to be very interesting to see, even if Antonio Reeves comes back, that's still a team I think that would love to have more experience than they currently have on the roster right now. Yeah, no question about it. It was a rough one for Kentucky the last few days as not getting back Oscar Shibway. That really Hurts them as joining me on the podcast. We do have Blake Lovely. He does amazing work over at Southeastern 14. And I mean, I felt like another loser initially was Baylor, but Baylor, after they lost Adam Flagler to the NBA draft, he merely just decided to not use his COVID fifth year. They did pick up Ray J. Dennis on Thursday. And I think that is very interesting to take a look at because on the one end, you lose a guy in Flagler that was such a sharp shooter. On the other end, you get the Mac player of the year into the process as well. How do you view Baylor now that they lose Flagler, but they essentially replace him 24 hours with Ray J. Dennis? And I think that overall, it's maybe a little bit of a net loss. You don't have as much chemistry, and trying to go from Toledo up to the Big 12 is going to be a little bit of a challenge. But certainly, I feel like things could have been worse for Baylor as they got a nice soft landing with Ray J. Dennis. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think, like you mentioned, I think Dennis is the biggest part of that because we just talked about experience and how valuable that is these days. And you've got a guy coming in that's what played basically almost 35 minutes a game 
the past two seasons. And it's at Toledo. You're transferring up. We always say there there can be unknowns with that. But I think we just look at his game. Someone averaged 20 points a game. Shot at what? 48% from the floor. I think like 37, 38% from three assists. Like he, he kind of did it all. And so I, I think he's someone that I would just assume is going to blend in really well into what, you know, Scott Drew can do there. Cause we've seen guys like that come in and really be able to just contribute in a lot of different areas. It seems like he's had guys like that that have come through. And I think that's the biggest part of this is really just when you look at it from what Scott Drew has built there. And even though you lose Flagler and, you know, you kind of understand, like you said, Greg, maybe there's some things initially. And we always talk about this with, with guys that are coming in transfer-wise and all that. The chemistry early on, what does it look like? I think there are always going to be questions like that to really try to figure out, you know, exactly what that looks like early. But we've seen teams, you know, whether it you know, whether it could be a Baylor. I mean, Arkansas is one of those teams, right, we've talked about over the years. It seems like they hit those rough patches early, but Musk brings in all the transfers. Eventually, they figure it out. But I think adding Dennis to the mix is a big addition. Again, even someone who's transferring up. I just think when you look at the skill set, you look at the numbers and everything he brings to the table, it just feels like a great fit, I think, for Baylor. Yep, I think so as well. I do think that we're going to be able to see Baylor once again be pretty rock solid out there in the Big 12. I do think that it's going to be rough for them now that he is in the fold. We've seen all that Kansas as done as well, but being able to get Ray J. Dennis in the fold, I do think that that is going to be very beneficial for them. And I know that you're a man that is out there in Nashville, Tennessee, and you know the big school that's out there in Nashville, Tennessee, that'd be Vanderbilt. And they're one of the big winners from everything that we've seen over the last few days because Tyron Lawrence, he was going through the NBA draft process, and not only did he decide that he was going to be coming back to school, but he was initially in the transfer portal, and he has decided that he is going to be removing himself from the portal. Like he is going to be heading back to Vanderbilt. How much does this mean for one, for the Commodores? And two, where do you think that Vanderbilt can place in the SEC? Because they've been an interesting team all throughout the tenure of Jerry Stackhouse. They haven't necessarily been able to bust through, but they were really good towards back half the year last year, even without Liam Robbins. It's just been a case where injuries have really robbed Vanderbilt of perhaps an NCAA tournament bid the last few years. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Getting him back was kind of, I think, kind of that make-or-break decision where if he did not come back, I would have looked at this roster and said, boy, I just don't know. I don't know if there's enough depth there. I don't know if there's enough playmaking ability at the top outside of Ezra Manuel. But now that Lawrence is coming back, you pair those two guys together. Honestly, Greg, I mean, towards the end of the season, you know this. I mean, they were probably one of the better guard duos in the SEC towards the end of the year. And you think about how many good guards were in the SEC, you know, just how well Vanderbilt was playing down the stretch was in large part to those two guys. And of course, Jordan Wright, who now transferred to LSU. But I think losing Wright and now at least getting Magnon and Lawrence back, I think that is just a huge, huge step, I think, for Vanderbilt to at least try to get back to building off of what they did last season. As you said, they won, I mean, won 22 games last year. They won 19 the year before turned that 7-11 and 11 record around two years ago in the SEC play to 11-7 and seven last year, had that, you know, just fantastic finish to make a run towards the NCAA tournament. Now I think it's just trying to figure out, can they build kind of the same way they've been doing beyond those two guys that we're talking about? Can the other guys, you know, they brought in an Evan Taylor, can some of the other, you know, kind of young guys that they had last year who really felt like they were starting to come along, can they, you know, take that next step? If they can, I think Vanderbilt's a team that, you probably would say, you know, best case scenario, they're probably right there on that line of, of being a bubble type team. But if not, if some of those guys don't take a step forward, sure, you could see them also maybe being, you know, a, a bottom four type team in the SEC. But, you know, this is something now to where 
I'm willing to give Jerry Stackhouse the benefit of the doubt because we could have said two years ago, yes, they had Scotty Pippen Jr., and that was enough to kind of push them towards getting over the hump a little bit. But last year, there was a point where we said, man, this team, I don't know if they're going to be able to turn this corner, but they did. He pushed all the right buttons to get them there, and he really developed those guys like Lawrence, like Manon, uh, and again, some of those young guys too, to where they're sitting in a pretty good position right now. And I think it's just figuring out how they replace a guy like Jordan Wright. You talked about Liam Robbins, those kind of guys. I mean, you know, it's just, I'm very curious to see what they can do, but they're already going to have one of the best guard duos in the SEC just with those two guys coming back. They certainly are going to have a great guard duo. And I think that that was just absolutely massive for Vanderbilt, a team that's looking to build themselves up in an SEC that really other than Kentucky, I felt like the draft decisions overall for the SEC went the way of darn near all these schools as we do have Blake Lovell, who does great work over at Southeastern 14, joining me on the podcast because we did see Jordan Walsh decide that he was going to be staying in the NBA draft. But I think that you're with me on this one. It was not too much of a shocker. Walsh, by a lot of people's projections, a very early second round. Perhaps he could play himself into being a late first round pick if he's able to do well in some of these workouts. That's one where... He's sort of on the borderline. I thought that he was going to be remaining in the draft after not necessarily having the world's greatest freshman year at Arkansas, but they were able to get Devontae Davis back. You saw for Alabama, Mark Sears, he's returning for them as well. List goes on and on. I feel like all in all, last few days for the SEC was very, very strong for all these teams with, in my opinion, perhaps the biggest winner being Vanderbilt. But I would say that also with Alabama getting back Mark Sears, that was big for them as well as he was a little bit of a borderline guy too. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, because when they lost Charles Bediaco, you know, that was one that we knew those three guys, Sears, Quinterly, and Bediaco were all declaring. And you're like, all right, you lose Bediaco. If you lose one of those guards or both of those guards and Sears and Quinterly, you're like, man, that's a lot to replace. Even with Aaron Estrada and Latrell Wrightsell coming in, that's still a lot to replace. But now that you get Quinterly and Sears back, it's huge because of what those guys can do. We saw them at their best last season. Yes, there was a lot in terms of what Brandon Miller could do for that team and Noah Clowney and all those guys. But boy, when you looked at the guard play, I mean, that was still kind of one of the biggest drivers for them. So now when you look at, at Sears and Quinterly and, and them coming back, you pair them with an Estrada and a right cell and those guys. I mean, that's that's what you expect to see in a Nate Oates you know, type of style. And, and they've got guys now uh, coming back with the experience. And that's what we keep going back to. Those two guys are so experienced now in that that system that it's really going to help Alabama. And yeah, I mean, I think Devo Davis at Arkansas was one of the biggest ones, period, because I mean, that is a guy we've seen, Greg, that has sort of willed this team in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, the past couple seasons. And I think just his value to Arkansas can really not be measured, I think, just in stats. And, and the stats are really good, but he, again, has that experience. And so I think getting him back was very significant for this Arkansas team because, you know, they have a lot of transfers coming in, but just pairing him with all those guys, I think that was huge. I'll tell you what, I thought they kind of flew under the radar a little bit, Greg, and I think this is one that we expected, but, I mean, Ole Miss, having Matthew Morrell coming back, I thought when you pair him with the potential of the other guys, now, of course, Moose C. say Brandon Murray, they've got to get the, the transfer waivers and all that, but here's my take on that, Greg, like, I just assume everyone's going to get a waiver now. I know a new rule and everything, but I just assume everyone's going to get approved. When you look at what Morrell could do there, you know, first season for Chris Beard, Ole Miss to me, roster-wise, should they get, you know, Cissé, Murray, if those guys do get waivers, they're eligible to play right away. Bring a Matthew Morrell back, who I thought was one of the probably underrated guards in the SEC last season. You've got Jameer Sharp coming in. you got Jamin Brakefield coming back. That's probably a top 25 team, perhaps right off the bat, if all of those pieces are in place. So, I think that was one that was kind of sneaky in terms of getting him back 
And so that obviously should put Ole Miss in a chance to be maybe that team, as we've seen before, not just in the SEC, but in college basketball, really with a chance to take themselves from being one of the worst teams in a conference to maybe being one of the best teams in a conference in one offseason. It has been an absolutely massive offseason for Ole Miss. When you get a guy like a Chris Beard, you know what? Things are trending in the right direction for you, and things are always trending in the right direction for us whenever we get Blake Lovell on the podcast. And then I do think that there was another SEC team that they did fly a little bit under the radar as well. That would be Auburn, because with Auburn, they did have a pair of guys with NBA draft decisions and Jalen Williams along G&I Broom. Both of those guys decided that they were going to be returning to school. Now, once again, much like with Ole Miss and Matthew Morrell, I don't think that was necessarily the world's biggest shocker, but they get both of those guys back full. I feel like Williams was just so big because Auburn had no three-point shooting whatsoever last season, and he was one of the few guys that was able to can some threes. They lost out of Lynn Flanagan in the offseason, but they replaced him with Chaney Johnson, who was one of the best D2 players in all of college basketball at Alabama Huntsville. They bring in Denver Jones. Denver, not from the state of Colorado, but rather from Florida International. He was a bucket getter out there in Conference USA. I think that Auburn has had a really nice offseason, and for Auburn, it was really a case where, strangely, a Bruce Pearl-led team was just having a shortage of offense last year. And being able to get back Williams, being able to bring in Denver Jones, I think that that's going to fortify this team to being a little bit more well-rounded for this upcoming season. Yeah, I think that it was very clear. Bruce Pearl, like many other SEC coaches, I think, understood the value of three-point shooting. And, you know, every time I come on, Greg, during the season, I'm always bringing up a stat of just how the SEC is usually one of the worst three-point shooting leagues out there. But you see all of these teams, Auburn included, that went out and really landed guys who could shoot the ball. And you talked about Denver Jones, Johnson coming in from the D2 level. You know, these are guys who are going to really help them. But now you get a Jalen Williams back who could potentially expand in that area. You know, and then you look beyond that. Broom, he's an SEC Player of the Year candidate next season. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that when you just look at what he does. I mean, he is a potential double-double average type guy when he averaged, what, 14 points, almost eight and a half rebounds last season, averaged a couple blocks. To get a player like that back, yes, like it is significant for Auburn because you're looking at it much differently if they don't. I mean, Dylan Cardwell, I think, is someone else, you know, big man coming back too. That's just gives you a little more depth there. And so I think it's been a, a big offseason for Auburn in terms of trying to get things back to where they want it to go offensively, like you mentioned. And we're so used to seeing Bruce Pearl's great offensive teams be able to shoot the three. And I think this is a team with the additions transfer-wise they're going to have are going to help them. But it also helps to get those guys open a little bit more when you bring back a Janai Broom, bring back a Jalen Williams, guys who can score inside the arc consistently. I think that, yeah, just opens up a lot more probably for Auburn's offense next season. Yep, and we got so many big decisions that were made over the last where you call it 72 or so hours. Blake, I know that you're doing a great job of taking a look at the aftermath of all of it. And now because we know where these teams stand with regards to these NBA draft decisions, now we've got a second wave in the transfer portal as well. I know that there's going to be quite a few SEC teams that are going to be involved with that. I know you're going to be hard at work the next few days, taking a look at all that and so much more. So I would like you to let the good people at home Know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, I always appreciate it, Greg. Like you said, the SEC stuff, it's all at Southeastern 14. You go to YouTube, search for Southeastern 14. You can find all of our stuff there. We just did some transfer rankings for SEC teams, and we'll talk a lot more, obviously, about these NBA draft decisions 
and all that. So you can find it all, uh, Southeastern 14 on YouTube. And, yeah, everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And Blake does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. And every single time he joins this podcast, does great work lending his insights, making us all a little bit smarter about this game that we all know and love. So a big thanks to Blake for joining me on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast and coming up next. There were a few late NBA draft decisions that I did not hit on the podcast yesterday that we need to go through, and it's been quite eventful to take a look at the aftermath of the transfer portal since. So we give you a roundup of all the news and notes in college basketball from the last 24 hours next. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we're back here on Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Abe Speeders, and now part of the Visa family of podcasts. Always a pleasure to get Blake Lovell aboard. He does great work over at Southeastern 14, but in reality, he does a great job of just taking a look at all things college basketball. I know that he's done great work year in and year out with his previews over at Blue Ribbon Yearbook, and every single time he joins this podcast, always gives great insight on the game that we all know and love. So, big thanks, Sam, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a recap as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. Was not able to give you all the draft decisions from yesterday because a few did trickle in very late, but one of those was the fact that Adam Flagler is on the full for Baylor, but... They were able to rebound by getting Ray J. Dennis in the transfer portal mere hours later. Now, 
I thought Ray J. Dennis was going to be going to Illinois, but Illinois, they get back T.J. Shannon. They also did get back Coleman Hawkins as well. Very versatile, six foot ten guy that was able to do a little bit of everything. Was averaging right around ten points, three assists per contest at six foot ten. Guy that's able to at times run the point. That's very good for them. So it was a good day for Illinois a few days ago. But that said, with Ray J. Dennis. I don't think he's going to be quite the same as Adam Flagg there was just because he is going from the back up to the Big 12. It's a little bit of a different animal, but I mean, this guy was amazing at Toledo this last year. 19.5 points, 5.8 assists, the two turnovers per contest, shot 36.5% from three. He's not quite the same shooter that Adam Flagg there was. He might be a little bit of a better facilitator, even when he was at Boise State. He was very good at being able to dole out the ball. So I do think that he's going to be rock solid out in the Big 12. I do think that, once again, there's probably going to be a little bit of a downgrade there. But at the same time, I don't think that it's going to be anything too extreme. We did see Anton Watson decide that he is going to be returning to Gonzaga. Gonzaga, they did lose a few guys to the NBA draft as Julian Strother is out full. Malachi Smith is as well. But getting back Watson, I do think it's very big for them as... They were already preparing to have a little bit of a different backcourt that was very much noted when they got Ryan Emmert in the full, but for Watson, he had about 11 points, 6 boards, 1.8 seals per contest, and was legitimately one of the very few guys that was playing defense for this Gonzaga team last season, but what I think is even bigger than that is that Antoine Watson was able to play some of his best basketball towards the back half of the season as well, especially just being able to hit the glass. You take a look at what he was able to do from January 12th on, For Watson, he was able to shoot from two-point range, 67%. Overall, was shooting 62% from the floor, 36% from three. In that span, 12.5 points, 7 boards, 2.5 assists, 1.8 steals per game. He got better and better as the season went along. So, I do think that that is massive that Gonzaga was able to retain him. Now, Damian Ball, he made the late decision that he is not going to be returning to TCU. He is going to be staying in the NBA draft. That's a bit of a loss for TCU because he needed a really good job of being able to dish out the ball himself. 5.8 assists to about 2.8 turnovers per contest. 12 and a half points per contest. You figured that Mike Miles was certainly going to be gone for the team, but Damian Baugh was really a guy that you were banking on. Shot 33% from three, which isn't great, but was better than most of his teammates. Was a relatively solid rebounder, so that is quite a bit of a loss for TCU. And then for Illinois, I did note the fact that they were able to get most of their guys back via the NBA draft decisions, and now they also get back Jeremiah Williams. They do lose out on Ray J. Dennis, but... Not a bad prize to be able to pick up in the meantime as well for Jeremiah Williams. Was unable to get out there on the court last season, two seasons ago at Temple. Was averaging 9.5 points, gave up 4.5 assists, 1.4 steals per contest. Three-point shooting was a little bit suspect. He shot 23% from three that year, but season before was more around a 33-ish percent. Three-point shooter played at a relatively high-level basketball in the American for Temple, so I think that that is very beneficial for them. So I do think that he's going to have his imprints on that offense. I was noting that we did see, indeed, Zach Eady return to school. I was mentioning on this podcast, I was thinking that he was going to be returning, so no shock there. We did see a little bit of a move with regards to the futures numbers on Purdue. I'm really not sure who was thinking that Zach Eady was actually going to be staying in the NBA draft, but... That said, yeah, it did become official. And we did see Nuko Jenda. He was playing last season over at DePaul. He has decided that he is going to be remaining in the NBA draft. In the small sample size we had, he was actually really good. 12.5 points, and I'm not kidding here, 4.4 blocks per contest, 
six half boards was very good down low. He has decided that he is going to be going pro, so there was that. And then we mentioned this with Lake Lovell, the fact that Tyron Lawrence, he not only pulled out of the NBA draft, but now he pulled out of the transfer portal as well. He is back at Vanderbilt, shot 36% from three, 13 points, four and a half boards per contest. And I thought that he became, at the very minimum, a top three player in the transfer portal when he had pulled out of the NBA draft because, I mean, this guy was pretty stinking awesome towards the back half of the season. Final 20 games of the season, shot 40.5% from three, 5.3 boards, a little bit over a steal, 15.8 points per contest. Lawrence was putting in work towards the back half of the season, him returning to Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team that they've just really been marred by injuries the last few seasons. If they're able to stay healthy, that is going to be massive for them. Dylan Mitchell is going to be back at Texas. For Texas, they did get their draft decisions to go their way. We did see Tyrese Hunter about a week or so ago pull out of the NBA draft. The question was Dylan Mitchell. I mean, he had pedestrian numbers last year, but is a former top 10 recruit. I do think that he's going to be able to bust through this season as he was not really able to show off any versatility whatsoever. Did not pop a three last season. I think that he's going to look to add that a little bit more to his repertoire, but I mean, for him to be able to give the team right around four points, four boards per contest as a freshman last year, you expect a little bit more, and I do think that he is going to be able to lend a little bit more. This is a Texas team that is in a little bit of transition. They've lost a few guys to the transfer portal, but they bring in Max Eastmas as well. That is absolutely massive for them, and when it comes to Dylan Mitchell, towards back half of the campaign, he was able to do a little bit more on the boards as well. You can tell that he was a little bit more of a scorer towards the front half of the season. Towards back half of the season, he was able to give the team some nice performances on the glass. I recognize the game that he had against Oklahoma State. He had 12 rebounds in that one, was able to have nine boards on the road against Kansas as well. So this is a guy that should be able to do a solid job on that front, helping out this bunch. And then we did see Trey Alexander. That was one of the big decisions that was not known when he did the podcast yesterday. Decided that he is going to indeed return to Creighton. This is big for a Creighton bunch that has lost a lot during the offseason. Now they're going to be looking to rebuild with Steve Ashworth from Utah State in that backcourt, along with Alexander, who was able to stroke it from three-point range at a clip of 41%, average 13.5 points, a little bit over a steal, 2.5 assists per contest, like his overall game. Should be a really good compliment to Ashworth. And then while Reese Beekman is going to be back at the fold for Virginia, Armand Franklin, he is not going to be. This was really the last of the draft decisions that were major that I did not hit on the podcast yesterday. Franklin, at the last minute, decided that he was going to be staying in the NBA draft. Was very up and down throughout his career with his three-point shooting. Last year, shot 37.5% from three-point range, 12.5 points. Not much of a facilitator, but was really able to be a nice off-the-ball scorer. But I do think that Virginia has done a good enough job in the portal to be able to replace that with the likes of Andrew Rohde and company being able to come in. So that is a little bit of significance. And then in terms of transfer moves that we've seen, we already hit upon Ray J. Dennis, but we have seen a few other guys decide that they are going to be entering into the transfer portal. Now, I don't think that this one is necessarily going to be a big one, but Lawrence Barty, he was over at Winthrop. He was a redshirt, 6'11", 220-pound big man. Had a little bit of fanfare coming in from the state of South Carolina, but he's out there in the transfer portal. We shall see if he's able to find a new home along with Braxton Tucker. 
Tucker last season was playing over at Georgia Southern, and while at Georgia Southern just really didn't see any playing time whatsoever, so both of these guys have decided that they are going to be in the transfer portal, and then two moves of a little bit more fanfare, and note, Tay Davis, he was last season at Seton Hall, he's decided that he is going to be going to Notre Dame for Davis, he is a native of the state of Indiana, and saw some solid minutes last year, was able to give the team right around three points, three rebounds per contest, was never really a guy that was going to light it up on offense, a little bit more of a defense-oriented guy. I'm not sure how he's going to be able to integrate with Mike Shrewsbury's style, not a guy that necessarily has great versatility. He popped a few threes, but shot just 11% from three-point range, but I do think that Tay Davis is an interesting piece. I do think that it's big for Notre Dame to just you know build a little bit of depth in general because that really eluded them towards the back half of the Mike Bray era. And then I like this pickup for UCF as Abrima Diallo. He has decided that he is going to be going to Central Florida. He was a part of a San Jose State team that was actually in the top 20 nationally in terms of rebound rate. And for Central Florida, they really had a slow start to the transfer portal. It looked like they were going to land nobody whatsoever here in the offseason, but they made a nice little surge to be able to put together a nice roster. You bring in Diallo, he's going to be able to help out down low, but additionally, along with them, they did a nice job of being able to address the backcourt as well as they bring in Jake Paul Walton, 6'7", a little bit of a combo player that was over at Wichita State last season, was supposed to go to Alabama, then off the court things happened. Jalen Sellers, very good sharpshooter from Ball State. Jamari Allen, just a bucket getter while he was at UMKC. And for Diallo, 6.6 rebounds per contest, was a solid shot blocker with 1.7 blocks per contest and began his career at The Ohio State University. So I do like that pickup there, and I do like the fact that we've got now a second wave coming here in the transfer portal as it's going to be very interesting to see how these rosters finalize over the next few weeks, and I'll be with you guys every single day breaking it down with all the news and us that we do see. So if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. A big thanks to Blake Lovell. Does great work over at Southeastern 14. You join me in the last segment. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast. Rain or shine, regular season or off season, which means I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. 
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.